0: I believe that you're in store for a powerful, powerful morning and uh, just hearing the reports at the door, I stood at the end of the service and just shook hands and this whole series has been so powerful and so many couples just in tears saying, you don't know what this has meant to our family and to our marriage, We we, we have received strength in our home. And that's the power of being in God's house. You, you know, church is where you come to get your thinking straightened out. Have you learned that? David was about to do something crazy to Nabal. He was going to kill him. And a woman by the name of Abigail intercepted him and said, I got to get your thinking right. You, you're headed for a throne and you're, you're swinging at gnats. You're about to give up everything over a big frustration that you're in right now. And you don't even understand that you have a destiny on your life, on your marriage, on your future. And the enemy just wants you so amped up and off in your thinking. But when you come to a church like this, the most powerful thing is church is where you come to get you thinking right. The Holy Spirit will speak through our speaker today and he will, he will say, now you were thinking that way when you walked in, but let me just shift you into what is right and what is good. How many of you are open to that today? I know you are. I know you are. Raise your hand and pray with me the Lord's Prayer today over our nation, over the nation of Israel, over our world, over your family, over our city, over our schools over Washington DC, over our borders. Pray the Lord's Prayer together. There's power when we pray it together. Pray it boldly and out loud. Are you ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to give a praise to Jesus this morning at every campus that's joining us. We're so glad you're there. Come on and praise Him. Just break loose. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you turn to three or four people around you and tell them they're in the right section. Tell them you must really have prayed this morning because you're sitting by me. I don't know how that happened. Well, big breaking news, we start a brand new campus, Pastor Tim and Carrie Price over in Alpharetta next Sunday, 9 and 11, and all of you down there that are about to move into the promised land, we're so happy. These wonderful, amazing volunteers have been setting up in a high school, setting up in a high school, taking it up, taking it down, you know, hours and hours while you were snoring this morning. They were setting up speakers and setting up this and that. They've been doing it for years, but look what the Lord has done. He's given us, I don't want to see that. I want to see the new one. There you go. Where's the new one? That's the old one. And we've got a new building and they'll find it. Amen. But I tell you what, we're excited about what God's going to do there in that new campus. Thank you for being part of the miracle of the expansion and reaching more and more people. Well, we're blessed today to have with us one of the greatest speakers uh, that you'll ever hear. And he's great in content, but he's great in spirit. And when you when you ever get the two together, you've got something powerful. Pastor Robert Morris is a personal friend and a man that Sharice and I look up to him and Debbie, his wife, as much as anybody that we know. We believe in them. He's a man of integrity and character. Pastors, a magnificent church that has just exploded in the D- Dallas-Fort Worth area. They've got campuses all over the place, beautiful campus there. And when we were thinking about, you know, who do we want to come speak? We thought. one of the greatest that you'll ever hear is pastor robert morris and he was so kind to give up his pulpit to come preach in our pulpit today and we are highly honored to have you and deeply appreciate and i i heard this message in the first service fasten your seat belts you're in for a blessing a mega blessing is coming on your marriage everybody say lord lay a blessing on my on my marriage On my family on my children you say well I don't have any of those I'm single well you're speaking it by faith in the name of Jesus you say well I don't want any children I don't either so on the grandchildren amen I'm with you on that praise God and pastor I am married but I was with my grandson at the beach not too long ago and was throwing a football and I lost my wedding ring and uh, I, I keep forgetting to put on the fake one until my new one gets here. Amen. But uh, we love you, we honor you, and we appreciate you. Would you stand to your feet and give a warm, warm welcome to Pastor Robert Morris? What a privilege! Thank you,
1: thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so honored. Please be seated. I'm so. So honored to be here. There are some churches where you go and you're pleased and excited and other churches you go where it's an honor to be here. And uh, as Pastor Jensen said, uh, he and I were friends for because of ministry things that we would see each other at and we would minister together. And and then a few years ago, uh, Debbie, my wife, and Sharice got together and uh, they just hit it off immediately. And this is what she said to me afterwards. She said, "Now those are two people I could go on vacation with." And <laughs> we, we actually—I know Craig was here last week. We went this last summer with Craig and Amy uh, for a little vacation. And um, but when Debbie says she could go on vacation with, you know, uh, uh, someone, a lady, you know, like Cherise, she—that means. Uh, no, I know you already know this, but do you, do you realize how blessed you are? To have Pastor Jensen Franklin as your pastor. Well, that's incredible. It's incredible. And Pastor Jensen, I had a, a health thing I was going through this last year. So we just sent the word out to the greatest men and women of God, you know, Dr. Tony Evans and Joyce Meyer and Max Lucado and Pastor Jensen, obviously. And they all just said, I'll, I'll be there and I'll fill in for Pastor Robert. So last year, literally, I went through uh, two back surgeries and a heart surgery in five months. And uh, of course, the recovery is longer than that. And so um, we, it was just, and, and listen, I, I'm, I'm grabbing, I'm great. I'm a 1961 model, uh, I'm like a classic car. But, but And I have a lot of miles on me, but I, I just got some new parts. That last year, I just got some new parts. And so I'm doing well. Um, but Pastor Jensen spoke a word from God to us, a prophetic word that we have taken. We've gone through every department and said, how do we prepare for this? We believe this is from God. We have, just this last week, we showed a, a video and reminded everybody, this is what God said for us for 2024 and so we're just so grateful for his input into our lives and in our church and, and their friendship and love you so much. Um, I, I brought a picture of my family just so you can see um, that I uh, uh, got blessed for uh, no reason at all, nothing I did but anyway, uh, there in the middle uh, beside me is my wife. We have been married 43 years. Um, and she just, just so you know, she's my first wife, you know, so I, I didn't trade in for a newer model. She just doesn't age, I don't know why. When I say 43 years, uh, I do want you know we got married young. Uh, it was the biggest event uh, of fifth grade. And so, um, but anyway, uh, above us is our oldest son, Josh, who's a coach and a um, consultant for pastors and business leaders and his wife and children beside him. To the far right uh, at the top is my middle child and our second son, James, who will be stepping into the senior pastor at, at our church uh, following me, he's my successor um, in uh, about a year and two months and his wife and then those three children there. And then to the left, the, the, big, the tall looking guy on the far left is my son-in-law and below him is my daughter, Elaine who you may have seen, she does a program on TBN, and she's a very recognized, well-known leader, women's leader, speaker, and, um, and then her four children there, and they pastor a Gateway Church in Houston. And um, so anyway, that's my family. So I just wanted you to be able to meet them and see them. Um, I'm so excited to be a part of this series, Better Together. And I just want to say to you, um, if, you're, if you're not married, as Pastor Jensen said, uh, it's amazing when the scriptures are open, we can all see something. Doesn't really matter what the topic is that day. If the Bible's open, we, we're going to hear something from God. So I want you to tune in as well. I also want to say, um, if you've gone through a divorce, please never, ever, ever hear condemnation uh, when you come to church because that is not the voice of God. God never condemns. You know, the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. we forget verse 17 says, for God did not, did not, did not, did not, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So God never condemns you. He may convict you, but it will never be condemning. So, um, And many, many people have experienced that and it, it, it's, 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 uh, uh, it's amazing how Satan tries to take us when we go to church and make us feel bad about our past. And I have a horrible past, by the way. Debbie and I, uh, we didn't get married in fifth grade, like I said, but we did meet in the sixth grade. But I didn't really get, I didn't really know her because she was a goody-goody. And um, I was a baddie-baddie. And so... Um, and then for some reason, I started trying to straighten my life up in high school, and the guy that was trying to get me to straighten up said, you need to date a good girl, and um, so I looked around at all the good girls, and Debbie was the prettiest one, and I have no clue to this day why her parents let her go out with me, Um, but thank God they did, and so we dated our junior and senior year in high school, and then our freshman year in college, and then we got married, And so, but I wasn't saved. I thought I was, because I grew up in church. But nine months after Debbie and I got married, I got saved, and the reason I got saved is because I saw Jesus actually living in a person who was my wife, Debbie. Um, So I'm so happy to get to speak on marriage. So um, I'm, I'm going to share what I believe is one of the most pivotal scriptures on marriage in the Bible, and it's where Jesus himself answers a question about divorce. And it's not condemning his answer at all, but he's trying to teach us something, and this scripture is, comes from, from the beginning, from Genesis one, from the very beginning. We'll go back and look at it. And then Paul quotes the scripture again in Ephesians five, and in Malachi, there's a version of it. So I just wanna look at that today, all right? So in, in Matthew 19, Verse three says, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now you need to know if you're reading an exact equivalency translation of the Bible, an exact equivalency is word for word, And um, um, a dynamic translation equivalency, a dynamic equivalency is thought for thought. And a thought for thought version is easier to read. But in an exact equivalency translation, you'll see words that are italicized. If you see a word italicized, it means it was not in the original language, but the translator added it to help us understand. So in this verse, the word just is actually italicized. In other words, it, was not, it is not in the Greek. So this question is, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Any reason. And the word any here, uh, the tense of it means an all-inclusive word. So some versions will say, I think it's the New American Standard says, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Well, that's what they're asking Jesus, all right? Now, I want you to watch his answer, all right? Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? Verse four, and he answered and said to them, are you crazy? No, I'm, I'm sorry, It's not what he said. Um, but it's almost what he said because he's talking to Pharisees and they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. I don't know if you knew that. To be a Pharisee, you had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I know that doesn't impress you because you did that a long time ago and it wouldn't really be that hard to memorize those five books. But here, he's almost saying, are you crazy? Because he says, have you not read? You, have, you, have you not read the Bible? Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them, now this is a quote now because it's inside of a quote, made them male and female, and said, this is what God said back in Genesis one, for this reason, for this reason, I want you to remember those words. We'll come back to them. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, and the root word of this in the Greek is glued, glued to his wife, and the two shall become one. The two shall become one one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Remember the whole reason was shall a man, and I'm gonna give you some background on that. So the title of the message is The Blessed Marriage. The Blessed Marriage, and the word blessed uh, in the Greek is the word makarios, uh, which means happy. So I don't know if you ever knew that that when you when you talk about blessed, it means happy. Like it, it's it's really great to go through the New Testament and read all the times and just put the word happy in. Just look up the word blessed in the Bible software and then put the word happy in. Think, think about this: the Beatitudes are all, all begin with blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. So happy is a person who hungers and thirsts after God. Happy is a person who's poor in spirit, not poor financially, poor in spirit. In other words, humble, happy, okay. Uh, And then Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Here's what he's saying, you'll be happier if you're a giver than a taker. So so that's what we're gonna talk about, the blessed or the happy marriage, all right. So they come up and they say, is it lawful for a man? And he says, have you not read that in the beginning, this is not the way it was? This this was not God's intention. And he says, for this reason. Okay, what reason? That's what we got to think about. That's what we're going to answer in this message. For this reason. For this reason. Now, here's what gets me about this passage. They ask a question and Jesus gives the answer. Then they ask another question. And he answers that question. But what gets me is that some pastors and some people will give his answer to the second question to the first question, but that's not what he said. In other words, they said, is it, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And he said, why would you ask me that? Because the two have become one. Now, when you think about just that little illustration of my finger turning, the two in God's eyes have now become one and there is a reason. So I'm gonna go through these reasons, all right? So the next question they asked, verse seven, they said to him, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away or to release her? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. Again, now he's talking to the men. But from the beginning, it was not so. That's not the way we started, okay? Now, please think about what he's he's saying here. Why did Moses command to do it? Here's the reason, you might not know. At the time, men would marry women or really girls not long after puberty. Some got married 12 to 14 years old. Many believe Mary was 14 years old when she became pregnant with Jesus. And Joseph was already, she was already betrothed to Joseph who was an older man, okay? But men then, as the woman would age and get children, would begin to mistreat her and would begin to take concubines and other wives for sexual purposes, and some men would actually prostitute their first wife out to get more money for sex. And they would mistreat her and treat her horribly and had these younger women for sexual reasons. And this woman, though, could not remarry, and so Moses goes to God about it, and basically God says yes, we need to permit her. She, the husband needs to give her a certificate of divorce. He needs to release her so she could find another man who will treat her like the princess that I created her to be. Because I don't want these men treating her like that anymore. So that's why I said it. But what's amazing is Moses permitted it, but they asked Jesus. And when you look at something, if you don't know, Moses represents the law. Jesus represents the grace. That's John 1:17. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Okay, this is, this is absolutely amazing. You would think it was the other way around. You would think the law says you can't divorce, but grace says you can. Jesus is grace. But here it says the law says you can, but grace says, but from the beginning, it was not this way. And again, if you've, if you've gone through that, please don't hear condemnation because that's, that's not at all what God's trying to say. To He's trying to say, I did something on the earth that I want you to look at and recognize and see the spiritual meaning of it. And maybe you've never looked at the spiritual meaning of marriage in the Bible. So I wanna show it to you, all right? So it says, for this reason, for this reason. So what reason? What reason? So here's for point number one. Marriage represents God. Marriage represents God. So go back to Genesis chapter one and look at Genesis one, verse 26, verse 26. Then God said, let us, please notice the word us, that's plural. This is the Trinity speaking, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, plural, again plural. According to our likeness, plural. And let them, plural. By the way, I forgot to tell you, when it says let us make man in our image, there's two Hebrew words, there are also two Greek words for, where it says man, it's translated man. One is for male, one is for mankind. This is the Hebrew word for mankind. Let us make mankind, and let them, which is male and female, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Male and female, he created them. Here's what I want you to understand. The image of God is not male. Now, many of you ladies are thinking, praise God for that. (laughs) Okay, all right, I I get it. Okay, the image of God is not male. The image of God is male and female. In other words, God said, let me put a mirror of myself on the earth, and he creates a man and a woman, and they're married because they're not living in sin. So they're married. He creates a husband and a wife. In other words, marriage is the image of God. Let me say it another way. A lost person should be able to walk into my home and walk away scratching his head and saying, I I, I don't know what I just saw, but I don't see that in other homes. One of the things that he would see if he came in our home would be individuals who are one, unity. Um, God is a triune God. The, the word triune uh, comes from two words, tri meaning like three, like a tricycle, has three wheels, tri, and un means unity or one. So triune means three in one, okay? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? So he wants to create an image or a mirror, a replica of himself, but he's three in one. So he creates male and female. Now I know what you're thinking, well that would be two. No, a marriage is three. It's a husband, a wife, and God. That's the only way it'll work. And when a lost person comes into your home, the, this person will walk away saying, like let's say he comes to my home, he's gonna walk away saying, wow, they were different people. They were different persons. They each had individual personalities, but they were one. And, and a, a lost person might even say, you know, she was sweet and he was a jerk, but they were one, you know. In the very same way, what about this one? Equality with order. In other words, God, in the Godhead, there's equality, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet there's leadership. Who's the Father? Uh, we, we talk so much about leadership, obviously it's, it, it, uh, leadership in the home, it's servant leadership. But think about a dance, um, like we're in a movie, where everybody kind of backs up, and this one couple, the spotlight comes on them, and they're just moving, you know, beautifully dancing together, you might not know this, but every dance instructor will tell you that one's a leader. One of them's leading. But you don't notice one's leading because they move in unity. Um, when we talk about equality, there's never been a, 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 a question about equality with God. Never, ever been a question. There's no male or female in Christ. I mean, that's scripture. Um, I, I did decide to shock someone a while back. I was being interviewed on this program and we were talking about marriage, and the host said to me, "Uh, do you think men and women are equal? And I said, no, I don't. And of course, that wasn't the the answer he was expecting. He said, you don't? I said, no, uh, I think women are much smarter. And personally, I'm pretty mad about it. (laughs) And it's true, women are smarter. And they're a lot more in touch with their feelings. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, a man, literally, I've been in marriage counseling and I'll say to the woman, tell me about your childhood. You know, she tells me, I'll say to the man, tell me about your childhood. He said, well, you know, I was at five. My parents left me and I was raised by wolves and you know, and, and you say, well, didn't that hurt when your parents left you? And they said, no, I, I, I like the wolves. And you know, they just, you know, that, the man is not in touch with his feelings. That's your job, ladies. Did you know that? Did you know men do not come from the factory in, uh, in, in, installed? They, they, they just don't. So a man's got this experience from growing up and he's got a feeling over here, but the wires aren't connected. And so what you say is, so, so your dad never came to any of your, your baseball games? And he says, no. And you say, well, so how'd you feel about that? And you grab the wire of feelings. Well, he's never put the two together. And he'll say, well, it didn't bother me. And she says, but, but it was your father and you, and you didn't hurt when he didn't come and she starts getting the wires closer together. And you don't know she's doing it. I'm telling you, they're smart. And you say, no, it didn't bother me at all. And then she'll say, well, did the other fathers come? And you say, well, yeah. And then she says, and did that hurt you? And you say, yeah. And then pretty soon she says, and it, it really hurts you bad, then And all of a sudden you say, ah! <laughs> you say, well, what was that? She says, that was a feeling, it's okay. And then she starts twisting the wires, and you say, don't do that! I'm just telling you, that's, the way, that's what their job is. I'm telling you, they don't come from the factory assembled. It's your job, but women, are, they're really smart. And then, and then they teach us that we're dumber than we think we are. We don't know we're dumb until we get married. A man has never, ever had the thought. Do these pants go with this shirt? <laughs> He's never had that thought in his life until he gets married. I guarantee it. And I, you know, a man be getting dressed and he'll walk out you know, to go somewhere. And this is what the woman says. Are you wearing that? And now I want to tell you something. In. There's nothing wrong with what you got on. She's just trying to mess with you. And, but we get all confused. And so we say something like, no, I just going to go out and get the mail, come back in and change. And then pretty soon a grown man will walk out of the closet in his underwear saying, honey, does this, this, this work? You know what my wife did to me? Now she's sweet. But I'm just, she, said what she, did. she said, Just sit on the bed. Just sit on the bed. And after I get dressed, I will pick something out for you. And so I'm sitting on the bed in my underwear with the kids, and they're in their underwear. And I, and I say something like this We're going to get dressed. <laughs> Mama's going to make us look good. I'm 62 years old, I can't dress myself to this day. Because they're smart, you gotta watch out for them, they're smart. All right, so marriage represents God. Here's the second thing marriage represents. Marriage represents Christ and the church. Marriage represents Christ and the church. Ephesians 5, same scripture is quoted, same scripture from Genesis 1, watch, look at verse 31. For this reason, for this reason, the reason is because marriage represents something on this earth. A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, glued to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, now he's speaking to men, Now he's going to speak to the women and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, these aren't words to put us down. These are words to give us the key to our spouse's heart. A woman wants to be loved. It's her number one need. She wants to be loved. She wants to know she's loved. And so he's telling the men, you love your wife as Christ loved the church. And you love your wife even as you love yourself and you take care of yourself. You take care of her better than that. That's what he's doing. So let's put it this way again. Let's again uh, assume that a lost person comes over to your home and you're sharing Christ with this person. And so you say to Joe, you know, hey, Joe, um, I'd like for you to, you know, give your life to Jesus Christ. And Joe says to you, well, um, how's Jesus going to treat me if I give my life to him. And so you remember this verse, and so you say, well, I'll give you an example. Jesus is gonna treat you the same way I treat my wife. What's Joe gonna say? When you say, so would you like to give your life to Jesus? He might say, "Uh, no. Not if Jesus is going to treat me the way you treat your wife. Because I don't want to be talked down to. I don't want to be made fun of. And I don't want to be ordered around. Okay, let me switch it. Ladies, what if you're witnessing to Joe's wife, Susie? And so you say, "Um, Susie, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And she says, well... Kind of, but I really don't know how to speak to God. I don't know how to pray. No one's ever taught me. How should I speak to God? And you say, well, um," you remember the scripture. You say, oh, I know how. You speak to God the same way I speak to my husband. And so she says, so I can yell at him and cuss him out? (laughs) Are y'all following me? See, they should look at us and see Christ in the church. See, it's all through scripture. I don't think we understand how important marriage is. In 1930, 87% of adult Americans were married. Now it's less than 50%. And And I understand why. Because God put a mirror of himself on the earth and that mirror is now broken. Because the world, do you realize that Satan did not attack Adam by himself? Because he didn't see God yet. But once he saw male and female, he saw God. So he attacked immediately. And you wanna go back to it, I want you to think about this. Just read the six days of creation. At, on the first five days, it said, and God looked at everything he created and said, that's good. It's good. It is good. First five days. On the sixth day is when he created Adam and he hadn't created Eve yet. And it says he looked down and said, that's, that's not good. That's, that's not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. Do you remember that? That's in the Bible. Just leave your husband for a few days and you will see that scripture is true. It is not good for men to be alone. I, I don't know if Adam was running around the garden with scissors or you know what, I mean just, but, but God just looked down and said said that, that, that's not good, that's not good, that's not good, that's not good. And then the, it's, it's wonderful to get to study the, the original language of the Bible, Greek and Hebrew. In the, in the, the, in the English, the, the word is formed, God formed man and he formed woman. But it's two different Hebrew words. <laughs> In the Hebrew, the word for formed man is squeezed, squeezed. He reached down and grabbed a handful of dirt and squeezed it. But the Hebrew word for woman, that's what translated formed is fashioned. I'm glad he fashioned them personally. I think he did a good job. So, but, but, but for us men, <laughs> basically God said, I can do better than that. Okay, but he said, men, you need to love your wives, but what's it say to the women? You need to respect your husband, why? I'm telling you, listen, They are very fragile emotionally. You need to know that. They're fragile. I mean, they're fragile. Listen, you don't see women, you don't see cheerleaders on the side of women's sporting events. Go, Betty, go. As women don't need it. Men need it, they need praise. Guy hits a golf shot, slices off into the woods. Good shot, Jim, good shot. We can find it, we can, we can find it. I hear that a lot after I hit a golf shot. We can find it. So, so men, just close your ears for a minute, all right? Let me just talk to the women. All right, women, I'm just telling you, this is the key to man, he just needs praise. Do you know, do you realize, I, Debbie and I were married nine months before I got saved. Debbie was calling me a man of God before I was a man of God. She was praising me. She was calling me into what God called me to be. She praised me. She didn't talk down about me. She didn't say, let me tell you how bad he is to the other ladies. She praised, she said, let me tell you, he pays our bills on time. And I did because that was just something I learned from my father. I didn't do other things well, but I did that. She tried to find the few good things I did and she praised me. Now, so I'm just going to help you, ladies, all right? Men need praise. They need praise. All right So I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you a visual image so you'll understand. Men are like dogs. I'm telling you, you just praise them. They just wag their tail, they get so excited. It's incredible. I'm telling you that's a, him a good boy. Yes, him a good boy. Him a good boy. Him picked up him dirty clothes. him a good boy, him a good boy. You want, you want to go outside and play? You want to go? Okay, go get your ball, go get your ball. All right. So marriage represents God, marriage represents Christ and the church. Here's number three. Marriage represents covenant. This is probably the most important one, but we might, might not think it is. So in Malachi chapter two, God is telling the children of Israel, I am not accepting your worship right now. I'm not accepting it. I'm not accepting your offerings either. And so this is where we pick it up because they ask, it's, it's, I want you to notice how they ask, they say, for what reason are you not accepting? For what reason? So Malachi 2 verse 14, yet you say, for what reason? Now watch this, because in essence he says, for this reason. For this reason, remember we saw for this reason three times already? For this reason, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. Remember I told you they married these uh, girls, very young. With whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. By covenant, you made a covenant. It represents Covenant to the world. Lost people say, Well, what's a covenant? You say, Well, it's what my wife and I have. It means that we love each other with all of our hearts, no matter what, and forever and always. Have you have you ever listened to the marriage vows? They are not romantic. They are horrible. Do you know that's why people are telling me now we'd like to write our own vows? Because you know the vow I took for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. Here's the one for better or worse. I was marriage counseling with a guy one time with a couple and the guy was telling me all this stuff. So I said, so you're telling me your life has gotten worse since you got married. He said, yeah. I said, that's what you signed up for. You stood in front of the judge or the preacher and you said, If my life gets worse, I will keep this vow. And then you know what you added on the end? Till death do us part. What a vow. But can I ask you something? How long has God committed to you? And how many times have you broken the covenant? But he's never broken his covenant. See, that marriage represents so much more to the world, and marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Uh, pastor Jimmy Evans, I heard Pastor Jimmy Evans say that, a very renowned pastor and, and marriage expert. All right, so this is the way he says it. A co- in a contract, we uh, limit, we, no, no, we, uh, put it on the screen, it'll help me there. Yeah, we protect our rights, and we limit our responsibilities. So if you're buying a house, you do a contract, or you're buying a business, or a car, or whatever it is, in a contract, we protect our rights, we protect our rights, and we limit our responsibilities. In a covenant, we give up our rights, and we pick up our responsibilities. See, when you enter into a covenant with Jesus, you give up all your rights, right? And some people say, well, did Jesus give up all his? Just read Philippians 2. He gave up all his rights. Even though he was God, it says, he laid down all of his rights. And he became a man, even to the point of death. He gave it all up for you. So we enter into a covenant. So I want you to understand how important that is. So it's the new covenant, not the old covenant. Uh, the old covenant was based on the, on, on the covenant with Moses, or the, it was called the Mosaic Covenant. Here's what the Mosaic Covenant was. Maybe you've never understood this, but God did this for a reason, by the way. There, obviously, he gave the law for us to understand morality. I mean, Paul said, I wouldn't have known it was wrong to covet if the, if the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. You know? We wouldn't have known adultery was wrong if the law hadn't said, Don't commit adultery. We we wouldn't have known lying was wrong. We wouldn't have known stealing was wrong. That's what the law was, is to show us how to live in a right relationship with God and with other people. That's what the law, that's the first reason it says. But but, then Paul tells us, but there's a second reason. It was so that it would, the law would actually frustrate us to bring us to Christ. So that we would finally come to Jesus and say, I can't do this. And he would say, that's great. I just wanted to be in a relationship with you. That's what the law is for. But I want you to think about the the first, the old covenant, okay, (laughs) with Moses. Here's here's what God says, in essence. In essence, He says, uh, okay, I want to enter into a covenant with the children of Israel. Um, I'm going to be your father. Uh, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. Uh, I'm going to be your husband. And I'm going to love you um, and take care of you for the rest of your lives. That's my part of the covenant. Uh, And then Moses said, well, 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 what's our part of the covenant? I just want you to think. Now, I'm just summarizing. God said, well, okay, let's see. Well, you're part of the covenant. Probably the best way to summarize it is um, uh, you're to be perfect. You're to be perfect. You can't can't do one thing wrong. And we think there are uh, 10 laws. There are 10 commandments. There are 613 laws. 613. Leviticus means the Levite law, the Levitical law. That's what the word Leviticus means. It's the law. Deuteronomy, by the way, means the law a second time. So just read Leviticus and and Deuteronomy. Okay. Uh, In Leviticus, there's a whole chapter on what you have to do if you get a scab. And I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, why would God do that? Again, Paul tells us to frustrate us, to bring us to Christ. I mean, I can just see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit up there coming up with Leviticus. And one of them saying, hey, let's throw in a scab. They'll get a scab. Let's tell them, uh, if you get a scab, uh, you can't go to church for three days. Let's say seven, they'll never do. Say 14, 14, they'll never do 14. Oh, that's great, that's great. Let's put 14 in there. They'll never do this. You see, if you read it, here's what God said. Have all the people come up to me. Have all the people come up to the mountain. I want to have a relationship with them. But the people didn't come up. Only Moses did. So basically, here's what God did. Oh, you don't want a relationship? Okay, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. If you don't want a relationship, I'll give you a law. And that law will drive you to where you'll want a relationship. So the first covenant is, God says to Moses and the children of Israel, I'm going to do this. I'm going to protect you, provide for you. I'm going to be your father, be your husband, and I'm going to love you for the rest of your lives. Got it? And, and, but what's our part? Well, your part is to be perfect. And here's what Israel did. Okay. They broke it before Moses even came down off the mountain. While he's up there on the mountain, they're down there committing fornication. It's crazy. Okay, so God decides to do a new covenant. You know what the new covenant is? God says, same thing, I'm gonna protect you, I'm gonna provide for you, be your father, and I'm gonna be your husband as well, and I'm gonna love you. No matter what you do, I'm gonna love you forever. And so let's say, God, I was 19 years old. I was in a motel room when I got saved. And so I said, well, God, what's my part? And this is what God in essence did. Uh, Jesus, would you, uh, would you come over here? Uh, Jesus, this is Robert. Robert, this is my son, Jesus. Jesus. Um, Jesus, I want to make a a covenant with Robert, but but you see, I, I know Robert. He's not going to be able to keep up his end of the deal. So what I was wondering is, Jesus, would would you go to Earth? Would you become a human? Would you live a life that Robert can't live? And would you die the death that Robert should die? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll do it, Dad. And the father said to me, okay, Jesus lived the perfect life and he died the death that you should have died. And here's how you enter the covenant. Do you believe? that Jesus is my son and that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose on the third day. And in the motel room when I was 19, I said, Lord, I believe, and he said, then you're in the covenant forever from now on. You're in the covenant with me. <clears throat> you know why Satan hates marriage? Because it represents God on this earth. It represents Christ in the church. And it represents the new covenant. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you just to take a moment and just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Pastor Jensen said a moment ago, we come to church because we got to get our thinking straight. And what gets our thinking straight is the Bible, the Word of God. We renew our minds with the Word of God. We make our minds new again. Sin makes them old. The Bible makes them new. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Again, if you hear, if any thought comes in your mind that you, makes you feel condemned, that's not from God. God. Now, he might convict you of something and you might be grieved about it, but you need to understand immediately, his grace is there, immediately. His mercies are new every morning. So just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And then let me pray for you. Lord, I pray for a marriage on this earth. It is so under attack. And I believe that you put a replica, an image, a mirror of yourself on this earth. And it's when a man doesn't live for himself and when a woman doesn't live for herself, but when that man and woman live for you and for each other, people can look and see Jesus. And Lord, for people who aren't married here, your son lived on this earth for 33 years and was never married. And when they looked at him, they saw you. So Lord, we can represent Christ on this earth as well. So Lord, I pray that you will bless us so that we can show Jesus
0: to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I really wanna say thank you for joining us this week. If you haven't already, make sure you click on the subscription button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people when you comment, when you give us your feedback. For more messages and inspirational materials, download the Jensen Franklin app, or you can head over to jensenfranklin.org. I want to thank all of you who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. God bless you and we'll see you next time.